It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 at the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. I am John Schmelk, joined by Lance Meadow. The phone number for you is 201-939-4513, hashtag GiantsChat on Twitter. If you want to get in touch that way, you certainly can. Uh, later on in the show, in fact, we'll close the show with our one of our final college football guests here coming up. We have a couple more tomorrow, uh, but today we're going to talk to the reporter that covers the Georgia Bulldogs. They have a couple guys coming out in the draft. Just a couple. They have a yeah. de- you know, decent average football program down there. Yeah. Um, Roddy Nabolsi, who's the publisher of uh, UGASports.com, uh, and he'll join us to talk about that. So, Lance, I figured we're going to take a lot of calls, first of all, so get on the line, 201-939-4513. I'm going to throw some things out to you, and this is going to be a preview of what I do with Tony Pauline on draft season next week. Go subscribe and Listen to that podcast as well. A lot of draft stuff there. And I'm going to see your opinion on some of the things I think I've kind of figured out with this draft. You ready? I'm sure. I'm okay. ready. So, number one, I don't think the league is as high on this wide receiver group as the media is. And I think you could see as few as two or three receivers go in the first round. Thoughts? Yes. Yeah, I don't think that's crazy at all. I think it depends on, you know, once again, teams' needs across the board and whether or not they think a wide receiver could come in and make an immediate impact. You look at recent drafts, it's been well documented. There's a lot of first-round picks, even further back, who have come in year one. They've made their presence felt. Could this group do the same? Absolutely. But if you feel good about your receiving core and you think that there's better value in other positions, would I be surprised if only two or three wide receivers go in round one? No, not at all. Because remember, some of the wide receivers that we've discussed on previous shows, keep in mind, they have some concerns, whether it be injury, whether it be was there enough on the resume, as opposed to just maybe one really good year. Outside of Jackson Smith and Jigba, who I think most people have at least near or their number one guy. I don't know if necessarily there's a lock. I think the rest of the receiving core, you have guys, there's questions about size, right? Are they just a slot guy? Can they move to the outside? Can they win the jump balls down the field? Do they have the speed to stretch? So, I mean, once again, if you're talking about there's not really a lock outside of him, yeah, would not surprise me at all if two or three going round one. Here's another one. Of the first 13 picks... That goes up to the Jets at 13. I think nearly half, so I think at least six, will be offensive linemen and cornerbacks. I think those guys are going to go off the board quick and early in this draft. So you don't think that there's going to be maybe three or four quarterbacks that go early? Oh, I think you're going to have three quarterbacks go early. Too. Oh, you are? So you do think three quarterbacks are going to be in that yeah, group? I think you're. Look, I don't think you're going to have maybe one wide receiver. Maybe. Maybe. I'm not sure that's going to happen. I think you're going to have two or three up front defensive linemen, and that's it. And, you know, that that gets you to 13 pretty much. So I think that's where you're going to have the value here in terms of, of guys going early in this first round. I almost feel like it could be in recent history where, you know, maybe only two quarterbacks go in that top 13, and maybe we don't see somebody else sneak up. Because, you know, once again, just like we were talking about the wide receivers, I think there's some question marks. Heck, there's question marks with respect to Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, right? I mean, Young is questioned about his durability and his size. So, you know, does 
a team that's enamored with him all of a sudden fall back? Or does he go one or two? And does Anthony Richardson move up the ladder, even though he doesn't have a lot of starting experience at Florida? I would not be surprised if only two go in the top 13, as opposed to a third sneak in. You know, sometimes teams act as if they're very high on a quarterback to send mixed signaling to other teams, and then it turns out that, like a Mac Jones, who all of a sudden fell to 15. Remember, there were rumors two or three days leading up to the draft that the Niners moved up to grab Mac Jones, and that turned out to be something that was really a smokescreen, essentially. It would not shock me if only two quarterbacks went in the top five. Okay. There's way too much noise right now with the Texans at two that they're enamored with Young, and if he's not there, then maybe they would either get out of that pick or pick a non-quarterback. I think if you don't pick a quarterback there, I think you you got to get what you can for the pick and trade out. Find someone looking for C.J. Stroud. Whether it's the Colts or somebody else, they're going to want to move into that spot, right? So you figure. I, I think that's what you have to do if you don't go quarterback, if, if you're Houston there. <laughs> And again, I'm not sure. Maybe they're, you know, playing around a little bit to try to, you know, work a trade or something. I don't know. But that would not shock me. I think either Houston or Indy take a quarterback. I don't think it's an absolute lock that they do. But I think if one of those, if only two do go in the top four lands, I think you will see a team get into that area in that top 13 to pick one. You know, whether if even maybe they're not there quite yet. My guess, and look, I get it. I'm with you. I don't think the NFL front offices and teams are as enamored with Anthony Richardson as the media is. I think we saw this yeah. phenomenon with Malik Willis last year. Obviously, Richardson's a much better prospect where, you know, people had him going in the round one. Heck, at some point, mock drafts had him in the top 10. You know, he didn't go to the you know, what was he, third round, fifth round? What was he, Malik Willis, last year? Do you remember offhand? When he went to Tennessee, I want to say he the went third, third in round? the third round, third I, round believe. I believe. Yeah. You know, and not that Richards is not a great prospect because his upside and his traits are off the charts. Third round. Good, yeah. third round. But he's barely thrown like 500 passes. Yeah, it's a tiny sample career. size. Yeah. yeah there's so, you know, Dane Brugler who we've had on our shows, he's great. And Dane said, "Look, you get good feedback from these meetings he's been in where teams are impressed with his acumen, he figures stuff out, but then he goes, they're also surprised by how little he knows because oh, he just doesn't have sure. the experience." And yeah. my he didn't even go to a big time high school in, in high school. So, you know, he doesn't have that all that experience there. So, not shock me if Richardson and Levis don't get picked in the top five. I do think Stroud and Young will be the two guys, first two guys off the board regardless. But I think, you know, Tennessee at, at, at 11, I think, would be in the mix there. You get the feeling that Vegas and Atlanta are not in the quarterback business this year. Well, but, the Raiders could, but, I mean, the bottom line is they may not have to move. Right. Somebody could be there yeah, for them at seven. You just get the sense from what you're hearing and reading that they're prop. That I don't feel like they're going to be in that business. I feel like it's, I, I heard somebody say Josh McDaniels has a very high standard with his quarterbacks, and he's not just going to pick a guy. So that's kind of why I, I land there. Um, Washington with their ownership in flux. I don't think they're going to pull that trigger now. I think you know, wait for the new ownership group to come in, right? Sure. And the and the GM and the head coach are trying to prove themselves in the ownership groups. So you want to get a player, and that can help you win more football games, right? You can kind of keep your job. Yeah, I mean, the problem is Jacoby Brissett's the only guy that's proven on the roster. Yeah. So 
you just wonder if they're going to make a splash. Is it via trade as opposed to? Well, they have they have their young guy and Harold, guy. yeah, and they have their veteran Brissett. So if they go into the, the year that that way, it wouldn't shock me. You know, the Seahawks are interesting because they went to all those quarterback meetings and they have two first round picks. So would it shock me if the Seahawks pick a position player or five and then try to move up from twenty to get their quarterback? Would not shock me. You know, talking to a couple people that cover the Bucks over the last week or so, and uh, coming up Thursday is going to be our Giants Huddle Reporter mock draft, which I find very informative to do every year. I don't get the sense that they're in the quarterback business either. So, yes, I agree, Lance. I think there's a good chance only two in the top four. I do think three will get in that top 15 one way or the other. I think somebody will fall in love with, with Richardson, and I think you'll only get four in the first round. I know people think they'll someone move up to get Hooker. But maybe they do. And maybe, Coming off an injury, and yeah. Maybe Levis goes in the second round. So I think four, five would obviously not surprise me. But if it was— Five is very high to me. Yeah, I know, but it's quarterbacks. And yeah. You, and I, the, there seems to be a big dichotomy, too. Some people say, you know, most people have second-round grades on Hunden Hooker, which, which is where I would pick him, by the way. But other teams think there's more there. So it would not shock me if five got in the first round. In fact, I think that's probably the most likely scenario, but it wouldn't shock me at all if it's only four. Um I think that's interesting. Quarterbacks always always guide the process. You know, in our first mock draft, Lance, we had Nolan Smith drop pretty far. Um, in the first draft season mock draft, they did I had Nolan Smith go to the Giants at 25. I think Nolan Smith's a top 15 pick. I think he goes early in this draft. I think he's an all-around player. His testing, uh, the type of guy that he is, the program he came from. I think Nolan Smith goes high in this draft, and it would not surprise me if he's the third front seven defensive player to go after Will Anderson and Jalen Carter. Well, Georgia has an excellent track record, so I really don't think you can go wrong if you pick a player that's coming out of Kirby Smart's program. Mm -hmm. I mean, the order for a lot of these players is going to fluctuate because we just don't know who's enamored with who with respect to, you know, the pass rushers and the offensive linemen. But I would expect Nolan Smith to go in the top portion of the first round because I do think that his performance at the Combine probably took a lot of skeptics and moved them to the opposite side. You know, we see that. If the athleticism is there, they figure if we bring them into our system, we fine-tune him, he's going to turn out to be a great player. Because with Nolan Smith, there is still some rawness to his game. Okay, let's not forget about that. Mm -hmm. But I think, once again, coaches fall in love with athleticism. And they believe that they could be the individual that could turn these guys into superstars. That's why it's probably going to happen with Anthony Richardson, too. That's why I brought him up. But I just don't think you need to go for the home run to grab him. I feel if you patiently play out the draft like the Patriots did with Mac Jones, if he falls to you, great. But why give up additional resources if you're still very much on the fence about him? For example, the Indianapolis Colts, they have Gardner Minshew. Shane Steichen coached him in Philadelphia. I'm perfectly fine with Minshew being my starting quarterback for this year, and I could take him for the following year. If you grab a young guy, great. But I think Minshew is a starting caliber quarterback for yeah. the near future low before end, you find your future Very guy. low end. And remember, if you, I, you, coaches only have so much shelf life here, man. Sure, but he just got hired, Steichen. You know, so, so, I mean, I don't really think— How many times have you seen coaches get fired after two no, years? I, I get that, but I, I don't think that it's overwhelming in— his favor or against his favor, I should say, where if he doesn't find the quarterback this year, he's in an immense amount of trouble. Plus, Minshew knows the system he's going to run because they've both been together for an entire year. Mm -hmm. So it's a, a good foundation to have. You know, remember, sometimes 
You get too enamored with a guy, you bring him in, you don't have your house in order, and Indianapolis does not have a good offensive line. There's question marks on the offensive side of the ball. Even if you go for the splash, doesn't mean the kid's going to turn out very well in year one. That's more of a reason why I would stick with Minshew in the short term. Yeah, but then you're getting your quarterback in year one when you're in year three of your coaching staff and he's still not ready to go, then you're getting a fire. Well, you could draft a guy in year two. I'm not saying that he has to wait till year three. He could draft a guy next year. Plus, okay. we've seen teams on the bottom of the draft that move up more often than not, too. I just, if there's a guy that only has one year of starting experience, you really want to bank everything on him? I mean, that's a big roll of the dice for a guy that just got a starting head coaching gig, too. Let's not forget well, about yeah, that. Well, yeah, I think Richardson's a guy you sit, though. I don't think that's a guy you yeah, play right away. but once again, he's not gaining more experience if you sit him. Right on. So, you know, there's still going to be question marks in year two or year three, no yeah, matter but when you, you pull, have to the, pull trigger. the trigger. Because if you just oh, keep waiting and waiting and waiting, yeah. you're going to be starting Gardner Minshew and get yourself fired in two years. Well, but, I mean, once again, I think Minshew, he's not an old guy. I still think there's at no, least something to work with. he's not very good. Well, I mean, he did pretty good in with Philadelphia he's a under those circumstances. Yeah, he's a he's a low well, he's I mean, a it's very no, low end starter. Or a it's no different than if Washington sticks with Jacoby Brissett instead instead of going for a home run there too. There's going to be question marks. Ron Rivera with new ownership. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a huge year for him. So 100%. you you could argue they should maybe do something a little bit more outside the box too. I do think they oh, should. Well, but, I don't think they but will. They may not be in position to do that. Right. Is what I'm saying. So Jacoby Brissett may be their only option. So listen, I'm sure Eric Bieniemy with the talent around him, they'll scheme accordingly. So, you know, sometimes the best option is to stick with the veteran. And Brissett did a pretty good job in Cleveland. No, he Filling was in for Deshaun Watson. And I, so, and I think it's Brissett, not the end of the world. And I think Brissett is better than Minshew. I think he's a better quarterback. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think there's a huge difference between the two. I, I think Minshew's got a little bit more upside. Anyway, and we're, we're, we're in the weeds here. I don't well, think you know, I mean, we're talking, but, but the bottom line is the quarterbacks are going to dictate who's maybe right. falling in the draft. So, I mean, it's all relevant. It's all connected here with right. respect to that. I don't think Bijan Robinson's going to drop as far as people think. The problem is that you get a bunch of teams there in the teens that I don't think are in the mix for a running back in the early 20s. And I know it's not a very Harry Roseman thing to do. I think the Eagles pick Bijan Robinson, but they don't pick him at 10. I think they trade out of 10 if they can. Maybe a team looking for one of those quarterbacks if they drop. And then I think they will draft him in the teens. I think it makes way too much sense for a team. With the way they structured that Jalen Hurts contract, they have a narrow win. Well, they're trying to make the window wider for their to go win a Super Bowl. You know, and I think Bijan makes a lot of sense for them, despite their general want not to pick running backs early. I just think it's it's a such a good fit for the way they play. I think somehow, and I hate to say this, but I don't want it to happen. I think the Eagles wind up with B. John Robinson somehow in this draft. I just, you know, Howie Roseman is a defensive lineman type of guy, especially if he can get somebody early in the first round. If there's a pass rusher available, I'd be very surprised if they pass on that for B. John Robinson. Might not be that good of a pass rusher. No, I understand that, but Philadelphia, they love the volume, and they lost a few guys in free agency, so there's room for them to add some big boys up front. I mean, from a value. That's why I think they trade down and get those big big boys in round two. And listen, if that happens, I, I just think if they don't move, I would think from a value standpoint, I'd much rather take a pass rusher defensive lineman with upside than a running back. Oh, no, like I, said, I, will, I, I did not say the Eagles would yeah. pick him at 10, did I? No, 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 you didn't. I did I, but I would even right. say you may even be in position to grab another impactful player outside of running back when you make that yeah, other man. selection is yeah. what I'm saying. Listen, Bijan Robinson, I think, is an excellent talent. I just overall, with respect to the running back position, especially if we're using Philadelphia as an example, they have been adopting 
the bullpen by committee philosophy. They did use as a second-round pick on Miles Sanders. Sure, but a second-round pick versus the 15th overall pick or the 20th overall pick, to me, is vastly different. That's I mean, why, I don't think a, a early second round pick is much different than a mid first round pick. I just, you know, once again, on I, this draft, I, I think they'll be able to get a quality pass rusher where they are currently situated. Like if I had to choose between Bijan Robinson and Lucas Van Ness, I would take Bijan Robinson ten out of ten times. See, I mean, Van Ness, given his length and given what he can maybe provide, I could see the Eagles being enamored with him He's more done so than Robinson. Very little in college. No, He's I, a very raw developmental prospect, well, and you're trying to win a Super Bowl. Sure, but Philadelphia also is of the mindset where you know they'll have eight guys split up the snaps yeah, as opposed to him playing ninety five percent of the snaps. They actually look, they have room to do a move like, like that. I don't even have a true first round grade on Van Ness. Well, you know, but once again, he's got that athleticism and that skill set. Oh no, I get it. That makes him very appealing. And again, I would so. not pass on a true first round pass rusher for Robbins. I wouldn't do that. I just don't think there are many of those guys in this draft, which is why I think he's going to go early than people think because I don't think people are enamored with the class, especially in the teams. And I wouldn't be surprised if Robinson goes early because you know, once again, he's a weapon. You know, you're not just going to hand him the ball on the ground. You're going to utilize him as a receiver. There's going to be other things that you do. So I get it to justify it. I just, once again, I think it depends on the team. I think there's teams that are in position where as good as Robinson is, it makes a lot more sense for them to tackle another position who I think could come in and not only make an immediate impact, but also warrant a second contract. Because, see, the problem I have with most teams and their running back philosophy is you maximize the rookie deal, and then you're not really interested in giving him a second deal. Yeah, and so, frankly, I, I would be okay with that. Yeah, see, you know, if I take a guy in the first round, I want there to be enough appeal where there's a good chance I'm going to give him a second contract. For that, I'll take a running back in the later rounds, or I'll sign a guy in free agency. I mean, that's my philosophy. And you could find a guy in free agency not, who can run. Not Bijan Robinson. No, but who, but who can run and catch the ball out of the backfield is the point. Not, not like Bijan Robinson. He may not be, but once again, the Chiefs, and I'm not comparing the two, but Jarek McKinnon was a really good acquisition for Kansas yeah, City. he was fine. And was a very solid back in addition to what they had. So yeah, but it's I would different. rather the do that. The Chiefs are built around their passing game. The Eagles are built around their run game. Well, I mean, the Eagles, you know, we may be talking about them differently based on who they have in that receiving core and that tight end. I mean, Jalen Hurts, you're going to tell me you can't air it out? I mean, I, with Devontae I Smith. I didn't and, say that. When, when, think, when, when, you, when we're going to talk about the Eagles and Giants this year, Lance, in your beginning of the game, what's the fir- when we're preparing for the game, what's the first thing we're going to talk about the Giants? Oh, of course, they're going to be built around stopping the run. Sure. There you go. But what I'm saying is, is that I think Philadelphia is built where if they had to go pass heavy. Of course they can. They're more than capable of sure, doing that. Absolutely. So, you know, once again, I don't know if the dynamics change with Miles Sanders out of the picture if they don't take a running back. Jalen, they're going to look to run. I mean, I don't think that's going to change, but I, I think Philadelphia is versatile enough where as the years progress and maybe they take another jump this year, you know, you're going to have to worry about defending these guys down the field too because they got enough playmakers, especially with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard. You know, just when you, once again, you build up to stopping the run, they catch you off guard deep down the field. All right, let's get to it. 201-939-4513, hashtag Giants Chat. Don't forget, guys, go subscribe to the Giants Auto Podcast and the Draft Season Podcast. We've been putting great draft content up, getting ready for the draft. We just put up stuff with uh, Charles Davis and Bucky Brooks. I believe our draft season is up. We go deep in the uh, top 10. So just search for those two podcasts, Giants Huddle and Draft Season, on your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe or just find them on your Giants 
Giants app or Giants.com slash podcast. And with those two podcasts and Big Blue Kickoff, if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave that five-star positive review. It helps us, helps our visibility so people can find our stuff and we get more followers and then we can get to do more content and all good things for everyone involved. All right, let's get to the phones at 201-939-4513. We'll lead off with Sean in New York. We'll take for the next... 25 minutes or so, folks. We're going to take all calls. So get on the line. We have some open lines at 201-939-4513. Sean, what's going on? Guys, it's an honor to be on your show. I listen to your show all the time. My son and I, I wanted to talk about the the def- defensive backs and the wide receivers in the upcoming draft. Sure. Also, I'll be attending the, the draft party. I went last year with my son. My wife's going with me at MetLife Stadium. You guys do a fantastic job, all you guys. We are we we we're trying we're trying to arrange a dunk tank for Lance, so <laughs> fans can that. throw baseballs <laughs> at the target. That that may be wishful thinking. We haven't That's figured it out happen. yet, but we're, but we're working on the legal liability issues, and we're we'll gonna see if we can make that. Well, happen. the participant <laughs> has to take part in that. If the participant doesn't want to take part in it, it defeats the purpose from a planning perspective. I hate to burst your bubble from that. Actually, standpoint. you not wanting to do it actually makes me want to do it more. <laughs> That's fine. And g- good luck trying to get me to agree to it. So. Or putting me in that position. Coercion not going to happen. Is, is, not going to happen. It's very powerful. Anyway, yes. Sean, what do you got? Oh, great. So, guys, like, I watch a lot of college football, right? I watch a lot of SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac 12, and all that. And I wanted to talk about the wide receivers. Like, I know all the mock guys, like, uh, on and NFL Network and Mel Kuyper and Tommy Shane, they have, like, Zay Flowers. But I'm, I'm more in the camp of Quentin Richardson and Cedric. Illman. Quentin Johnson, now, you mean? from TCU. Quentin Johnson, you're talking about? Yeah, I'm sorry, Quentin Johnson and Cedric Tillman. Because now I, I don't, I don't know if Quentin Johnson is going to get to us. So let's say the Giants go one of the DBs in the first round, like Brands or, or Stevenson. If all the other top uh, top guys are gone, or maybe uh, Julius Brents falls. You know, you know, I don't know if they'll take him in the first round. But I wanted to ask you guys. No one is talking about these two players. These two players. So it's the wide receiver out of um, Nebraska. I forgot his name. He went to LSU. Trey Palmer. Then he transferred. To... Yeah, how come no one's talking about him? Because I, I, I feel that he would fit Brian Dabo's offense. And, and also the DB is the uh, – and, and I'll hang up after this. Uh, the defensive back from Syracuse. I watched a lot of his games. Garrett Williams. And I thought – yeah, I thought he, he, he would be a good player in the second and third round. But – Give, uh, tell me what you guys think, and I'm going to hang up and listen. And thank you for letting me be on your show. No, nah, really Sean, it. thank you for listening and calling in. We appreciate it. All right, a uh, lot to unpack there. So let's start with the last stuff and work our way backwards. Uh, Garrett Williams, I see him as more of a slottish type guy. I think the way he moves, he's a little bit bigger. The problem is that he tore his ACL last year. So it's going to take a little time for him to get back. I do think he's worthy of a day two pick based on his tape, but I'm not sure how much you're going to get out of him next season, per se. And... I think he can play outside, but I think his ideal spot's inside. I think you're looking for an outside corner. That's number one. And then the other player he mentioned was Trey Palmer, the wide receiver out of Nebraska. I just got a mailbag question about him I answered. That's going up on the website at some point next few days. And I see him, I had him as a fourth-round player. He ran a 4-3-3 at the Combine, which was a big number for him. He didn't look that fast to me on tape, more of a straight-line speed guy, not as shifty as you might want him to be. I think he's kind of a a traitsy guy that you look at in – you know, probably round four, round five. But I don't think he's a guy that you pick him and you're like, all right, this is a plug-and-play year one guy and kind of we're ready to go. 
Well, I don't think either of those players fit under that bill. And I also don't think, I mean, I'm not sure exactly what the caller was looking for in terms of maybe a later round pick that the Giants could target. Maybe. But I don't think any of those guys are in the conversation in terms of who they would pick at 25, though. I will tell you that. I think there's more upside in going towards other talent, like a Quentin Johnson, for example, who was one of the players that he referenced at TCU. I mean, if you walk away with one of those guys in the later rounds, fine. But I think at 25, you're looking for somebody that is far more impactful year one as opposed to one of those two players. Yeah, and then he talked about the two wide receivers, Quentin Johnson. You know, we've talked about Quentin Johnson a bunch, Sean. Go check it out on the John Suttle podcast. We've had a lot of conversations about him with, with various draft analysts. You know, I think... He's an end-of-first-round, early-second-round player. He has drops issues. He's big. You know, he's explosive, but he still ran in the 4.5s, not in the 4.4s at his pro day. Um, he's really good after the catch, but he's just kind of this weird combination of skills. He hasn't run the full route tree, so I think there is a fit there when, you know, you're trying to build a basketball team of a wide receiver room, Yeah, and I think he kind of gives the Giants something they don't have in that in, in some ways, but... I like Zay Flowers better as a player. Like, if you're just, like, stacking players in a vacuum, I think Flowers is a better yeah. player than Johnston. Again, I'm not sure, you know, with the fit here you could talk about. And then he mentioned Tillman. To me, Tillman's a good second-round player. Um, he played on a sprained ankle this year. His 2021 tape's a little bit more explosive. I think second round, you're looking for a bigger outside wideout. Guys like Tillman, guys like A.T. Perry, guys like uh, Rashi Rice, and guys like Jonathan Mingo would be players that I would consider there with that second round pick if you're looking for a bigger outside wide receiver. I brought this up previously. I mean, I think our focus has been that the Giants need to add more size in the receiving core, but they may just be thinking about we need to find explosive playmakers. They want because, guys that can get open and make yeah, big plays. And I agree. If Zay Flowers is there, I understand he's a duplication of what's currently on the roster, but remember, a number of the guys that play in the slot have injury concerns, and there's no guarantee that they're going to hold up during the course of the season, and if you're Brian Dable and you're Mike Kafka, if you could get a guy out in open space, who cares whether he's 6'2 or he's 5'11? I mean, to me, it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. It's all about when he has the ball in his hands, can he put fear in the eyes of the defense and take it the opposite way? And Zay Flowers has that. I mean, this is a guy that jumps off the page and jumps off the film. So I don't think you go wrong with taking Zay Flowers. I think we're too caught up in they need to get a tower. But if the tower is not an explosive player sort of defeats the purpose of what you truly need to infuse into this offense. I don't think you need a tower. I just don't think you want to basically erase Wondell Robinson. Because no. if if you think Flowers and Wondell Robinson are both slot-only players, you already have Darren Waller, who's also going to play in the slot for you as a move tight end, you're kind of just erasing your second-round pick from last year. Because they're not all going to be able to be on the field at the same time. Well, so Flowers played a little bit worry. outside if... Well, I right. Recall That's the trick. If, yeah. And now a lot of people do think you can play Flowers outside at 5'9". I'm not quite as sure about that, but he look, he has vertical speed, so that checks a box. I want to see him more against press. I think he's tough enough to play outside. So, yeah, I think there are traits, and I trust the Giants staff to, to have that decision much more than I trust myself, um, given everything you know about football um, and, and where these guys can fit. I think he's a guy that would very much be in consideration if he gets there at 25, which, frankly... 
based on the way a lot of people around the league talk about him, I'm not sure he's getting the 25, to be honest. No, I mean, he could be the, the first or the second wide receiver taken off the board. Yep. I mean, there's been a lot of buzz surrounding his name because of, once again, his measurables and his resume in college. So, yeah, I mean, we're just speculating if he's there at 25, though, I think that would be excellent value if the Giants are fortunate enough whether they get their hands on him. And I wouldn't, once again, get too caught up in terms of his lack of size. Because once again, you know, Kafka comes from Kansas City too, where they didn't have a bunch of towers there and they game planned accordingly. And yeah, they I, also didn't have a bunch of five nine guys out there. No, either. but but the offense was built mainly on get guys out in open space and let them do the rest. Right. And I think they brought a little bit of that to the Giants last year too. Sure. You know, unfortunately we didn't get a big taste of that because Wandell Robinson only had that one game against the Lions and then he got hurt. But I think if you give those two guys to Kafka, I think he'll find ways to get both of them on the field. And once again, given the fact that Sterling Shepard, Wandell Robinson have not held up, it doesn't hurt to have more protection in that department because you can't tell me, even going into the season, that both of them are going to be available for all 17 games. We know that's just not how it's worked. 201-939-4513. Let's go to Scott in New Mexico. He's up next. Scott, what's going on? Hey, guys. Um, first of all, I kind of disagree with both of you. I think Howie Roseman's going to take uh, Bijan Robinson with the 10th pick. Uh, didn't we take Saquon Barkley with the first pick? And that's the key they need for their running attack. So I don't see, and they don't want to take a chance of him being selected by somebody else prior to whatever, I think their 31st pick. So I think they do take him at 10. And obviously it'll play out, it's just my opinion. Um, well, but I'm just curious, why do you say that's the key to their rushing attack? I mean, once again, you know, they well, utilized they the, three different well, guys last season, and they brought in Rashad Penny, they still have Boston Scott, and they right, have Kenneth uh, Gainwell. So, and uh, I'll tell you why. Uh, they're comparing Bijan Robinson to the second coming of Saquon Barkley. So if you have that kind of impactful back that can do monster things for you, and obviously with their receivers and obviously what uh, hurts the quarterback – that completes them as an offensive unit the way I'm looking at it. And so if you have a player of that stature, I take him. Uh, and I think he's worth it at that 10th pick. It may not play out that way. And even though, Lance, you, uh, you know, mentioned the other backs, they're nowhere in the league of abuse on Robinson. Sure, so, but Philadelphia still had a pretty impressive run game without a guy like Bijan Robinson sure. last year. That's my point. Well, they had Miles Sanders, right? Yeah, sure, and, yeah. But I mean, Miles Sanders is good, no disrespect, but I don't think his absence now all of a sudden puts the Eagles in a precarious spot where they can't run the football. Right. You know, Rashad Penny went healthy is actually a really good running back. Now, I will, the question is how many games does he I will support for? Scott for a second. I think the presence of Robinson has a bigger impact on the Eagles winning games next year than adding a Lucas Van Ness or adding someone like that. What about a corner? What if they had a corner? I mean, I think think that's their third cornerback. So, no, I think Bijan impacts the team this year more than either of those two players. And I agree. No, and once again, I I think you can make a case for that. I, I just, once again, I think Philadelphia has enough weaponry where they can get more than by without... Well, you can get by, but I'm yeah. talking about what player helps you win more games and makes you a better team. No, I get that. I, I just, okay. I, it'd be interesting because... And by the way, me, you know would... me. I'm the guy that was preaching running back value for five years ago when we were having the Saquon discussion. That's all I talked about, and Paul Dettino wanted to strangle me. So I generally feel pretty strongly about that. I, I just think, I, I don't love the draft class, so I just don't think you're going to find a player that's more impactful than that when the Eagles make that pick, whenever they end up making it. Anyway, okay. what else you got? Uh, I, I have uh, two more points, and then I'll, I'll 
get off the air. Uh, my next point is the 25th pick. I'm a very big fan of Avila, which I think, John, you are as well. I am. And I think, I think he fits the mode of really impacting that offensive line in, in a positive way. And so I think that's the guy that Giants should hone on if he's available because I, I think he's moving up draft charts too. Of all the so, offensive linemen that are not, not, not tackles, right, interior guys that right. could go early, he'd be the guy I think I would be most willing to take in the first round because of the position flexibility. Right. And I think you'll get a receiver like a Tillman or A.T. Perry in the second or third round. Uh, so I think they can answer that outside receiver in mm-hmm. the second round. The still weakness, of course, is corner, and I don't know how they're going to solve that. But my other question, and I'll, again, take this off the air, or I'll hear your answers first. The situation with Saquon Barkley, as I'm looking at the highest-paid running backs ranked by salary, he's ninth, making a little less than $8 million a year. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott is not even – I don't even know if he's been picked up by anybody. Was making no, he nope. hasn't. He is he's not. still a free agent. And, and by the way, and, and Barkley's going to be at 10 on the tag. He won't be at 8 anymore, so – Right, and Alvin Kamara was making 15. He didn't have a very good year uh, last year. So uh, there's a lot of guys that, uh, and I understood it from the comments that Jordan Renan made, that they offered Saquon 12 million. He wanted 14. That was the that was the report. That that was the report, and I don't know, you know, how much accuracy you can put into that. But I'm wondering from your perspective, I know you said you don't have to do anything till July, and the normal sequence is that people really don't do anything until the very end. Yeah, because deadlines make deals. Correct. But what I'm getting at is the psychological possibilities of, of impacting Saquon, do you think that would be an issue for him? Because he feels he's been slighted, I think. And he's looking at these other running backs uh, that didn't have great years that are making more. So would the Giants in a long-term deal settle on something like $13 million, say, for, for I don't, example? To, in my opinion, and again, I could be wrong about this, the Giants would okay. have made their best offer before they got the free okay. And so I don't see there's much of a reason for them to make a better offer in July than what they had on the table in February. Like it's just that, okay. I, I don't understand what the logic behind that would be. And look, maybe in, just to get the deal done, they would do it. So I right. could be 100% wrong about that. Um, I just don't know logically... You know why you wouldn't just make your best offer when you could have earlier instead of waiting. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, look, I get players; they want to maximize their value. I understand that. He, right. he can he can be upset, but I think Saquon's a professional, and I think he's going to come. He's going to play his butt off because he wants to get a bigger contract next year. So um, okay. I, I I personally would not worry about that myself. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I I don't think Thank it's you, an issue at okay, all. Okay. Thanks again. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. The team has all the leverage because, once again, if they're more than comfortable in having him play on the franchise tag, they don't have to be ultra-aggressive in signing him to a mm-hmm. long-term deal. They could say, hey, we got you on the books, you play for another year, and then maybe we'll talk shop after this season. So from that standpoint, I think the Giants have all the leverage. The caller brought up the other running back contracts, but in fairness, Saquon's got more injury baggage than some of those other guys. And those guys didn't sign contracts this offseason. Sure. Those are older deals yeah. that were on the books. So, so I, I don't know if there's a lot of substance, I guess, what I'm getting at in terms of comparison. And, I mean, that's just the nature of the business. Somebody called up earlier on Monday when we were on, when I was talking with Paul, and, you know, the whole conversation was that Saquon misplayed the market. And I disagreed with that sentiment, John, because I said Saquon never tested the market. He may have thought to himself, 
it's possible the Giants are going to have to use the franchise tag on Daniel Jones, and therefore I will have an opportunity to test the market. That never happened, so it was basically Saquon versus whatever the Giants had reportedly offered him prior to the trade deadline. It, I mean, you know, around when that area of time when they were negotiating. So I, I don't, I don't think he misplayed the market if he never had an opportunity to test the market. Is my point? Yes, but I think he probably didn't foresee the running back market being as bleh as it was for the other players at the position. Um, because I'm sure now the Giants take a look at it or teams take a look at it and say, well, Miles Sanders rushed for only 43 fewer yards than you did last year. How much money did he get per year? Yeah, he didn't get a lot of money. Six. Six, sure. So, how much do you want? Sanders also has injury baggage, though, too, oh, like so Saquon. Saquon. Yeah, exactly. Well, so, but, but that may be the concern with a guy like Miles. Right. Can you hold up? So I think that in that way, I think I understand what the point the caller was trying to make, but you're right. It's not like Saquon was fielding a bunch of offers because he had the franchise tag on him. So, yes, 100%. Yeah. Well, and here's, on that. here's the other thing. If Tony Pollard and Josh Jacobs make it to the market, do you think they would have gotten more money than Miles Sanders? Yeah. Okay. I, do. I agree with you. I do. So that changes things, John. It's not just a matter of that Saquon didn't get to test the market. Yep. I think the premier guys that could have tested the market also never got near the market. So it really it hurt him twofold. He didn't have a chance to toy with other teams. And then Tony Pollard and Josh Jacobs, who have the skill set. Remember, Jacobs is coming off career year. Tony Pollard's now going to be the lead back in Dallas. That may have changed things yeah. for the running back market. And never pa happened. Power did sign his tender, by the yes, way. Yes, he so did. So he's going to play on that tag. 201 939 4513. We'll do one more caller. If maybe we could squeeze in a second one before 115 on our guest. We'll see. Tim and Charleston's up next. Tim, what's going on? Hey, how you doing, guys? Good to talk to you. Hey, I got a questions about a couple of uh, guys in the draft. Um, one guy I mentioned to you quite a while ago. John, before you looked at the running backs, was McBride down at UAB. Yes, I, I've watched I, him. I yeah, and I listened to your huddles, and, every, and and he's getting some good reviews. He doesn't seem to have a lot of pass-catching background. But yep. um, but also, Mo Ibrahim, who I think we can get a lot lower, looks like he could be a, a live one. Yeah, I have not. He's on my list as I'm trying to clean up my like later-round guys, Tim. I have not gone to him yet, but he is one of the guys. I like McBride. I think he's a really good between the backle that Tackles. Between the tackles <laughs> type of running back, that would be a good compliment to some of the stuff Barkley can do. And then one other guy, and then I just have a question about your draft coverage. Yeah. Um, is uh, that I think it was, and I'm going to give you a couple of plugs here, because I think it was on the one of the first draft seasons leading up to this draft, which is totally, Tony Pauline that brought up Corey Trice. And at the time, so I started watching in my early box, and, and he was ranked like, 268, and, mm -hmm. and he started moving up his average draft position in the mocks. Now P PFF has him ranked 95th. But I like the I, I I like based on his height, his weight, his speed, everything that I've heard everyone talk about him. Because you've had two other guests on the huddle, which I listened to religiously as well. Thank you. Mention him. Um, you're welcome for the plug. I'll tell you. I'll send you an email. What kind of scars I like. Um, and. <laughs> And um, and the, the you know so I, I'd like to see us get see if we can grab him as a second corner you know in the fourth or fifth round maybe sure I hope he lasts to five that I think I think because his his size and everything but the one thing I wanted to ask you guys is 
do you remember if you could look back and maybe you know i mean maybe uh i could even email you john but um when you had the purdue uh cover guy coverage guy on the bbkl yeah because i don't remember hearing what they said about Corey trice i might have been busy or whatever at the time and not listening listening carefully i'd like to go back and listen to it again and the other question i have is what next thursday's draft other than your bbkl in the in the afternoon the standard show what kind of draft coverage are you guys planning? Do you have that set yet? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I, I believe what the plan is, and this is subject to change, but we should have um, live reactions after the picks um, in rounds one, two, and three that we'll stream, and we'll take calls on that show. It's not in the books yet. I don't know exactly how it's going to work, who's going to be on it, but we will have some type of live programming Um on Thursday and Friday night, live after each pick. And then I believe after the fifth round on Saturday, we're going to plan and do the same thing. Again, it's not official yet, but I think that's the plan. And that'll just pop up on the app, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, excellent. Hey, guys, thanks a lot. Great job you're doing. Can't wait for the draft. Awesome. Appreciate the call, Tim. Uh, why don't you try to call Roddy, see if he's ready to go there. Uh, Pearson, your thoughts, Lance? Well, I don't remember. I'm trying to. I was trying to find the day we had Purdue on. I didn't remember. I the remember exact the Charlie schedule, Jones so. conversation. I do not remember the Corey Trice conversation. Off. Yeah, but Tr- Trice had. A, he was, at, I believe, at the Shrine Game in Vegas, which is why we brought him up on draft season. And look, he's 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 a long corner. He's a little bit bigger. I think he can fit outside. I think he's a day three guy, not a day two guy. Probably a fourth round, early day three guy though. So, again, good player. He ran really well. If if I recall, I'll have to bring up his numbers right here. I have those usually um, in my notes for each guy. Um, let me see here. Where is good old Corey Trice and his numbers? Well, let's see. He had a 4.47 40-yard yeah, dash. Good run. And he's 6'3", 215. Yep. It's a big kid. Yeah. And length at that position is extremely appealing. And remember, you look at wide receiver and what the Giants already have. Well, if you apply the same logic at corner... You know, they can utilize a guy with some length, some size, but I would say they could use talent, period, at that position, given some of the injuries and who they've lost in free agency. Remember, let's not overlook the loss of Julian Love, who is a guy that can move around between corner and safety. So, you know, even if you could find somebody in the draft who maybe has crossover potential, that's something also that I think could be appealing in the later rounds for the Giants. All right, let's wrap up our show with our guest today as we get to our final couple of schools and reporters that cover them to talk about the draft prospects hitting the NFL draft in 2023. We're joined by Roddy Nabolsi. He covers the Georgia Bulldogs as the publisher of UGASports.com. Roddy, you got John Schmelk and Lance Meadow up here in East Rutherford, New Jersey at the Giants practice facility. Hope you are well, man. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. I'm very excited to talk to you guys about some of these Georgia prospects. Uh, when you look at the Giants, man, you got four players up there from Georgia, all of which I covered, all of which are guys I actually adore. So the Giants are quickly becoming one of my favorite teams. Yeah, you got Aziz Ojolari, obviously. You have uh, Andrew Thomas. I'm trying to think of the other two offhand. Roddy, help me out. Solomon Kindley and Solomon Kindley, the offensive lineman, and Lawrence yep. Cager, the tight ah, end. Cager, that's right. Hundred percent. Yeah. So Giants like Bulldogs, no question. I, I think a lot of NFL teams do, given the the level of player. All right, so we're gonna have to go through these guys pretty quick because there's so freaking many of them to be quite honest with you so <laughs> let let's start at the top roddy with jalen carter we know about the type of player that he is we know about the off the field thing with you know with the racing and all that you know there were some things maybe about some immaturity you know getting him to play hard all the time i kind of want to talk about that 
that football character portion of this in terms of, you know, what he was like, the coach, what you hear about the type of guy that he was, you know, getting his engine revved up all the way all the time. Um, because I know NFL teams really do care about that stuff when they do these deep breakdowns of these players. Yeah, but they care about it because, if, you know, if the guy's not serious about it, then what, are you going to lose $16, $30 million on a guy? I mean, he's a generational defensive line talent. There's no question in my mind. I've been doing this 30 years. He's probably the best defensive lineman I've ever covered. And I've, you know, covered some Hall of Fame guys. Uh, the thing is, when people say, well, you know, he doesn't go every down. Well, the, he's biding his time at Georgia. It's kind of like when Matt Stafford came to Georgia and was the number one pick. Matt Stafford knew he had to go spend three years someplace, you know, until he could be an NFL quarterback. It's kind of the same with, uh, you know, uh, the, the same situation where, yeah, i got to play college football for three years, but once I get to the league, I'm going to be Jalen freaking Carter, just a monster. And so sometimes you're not into the ins and outs of the college lifestyle because you know you're about to be a superstar. But once he gets onto a team, he will be – He'll, he'll be in the job that he's been waiting for, and he's just going to be impossible to stop. You can't block him. I don't care who you are. It's just if he decides he doesn't want to be blocked on that play, you're not going to block him. Just, it's impossible. Well, with that being said, though, how concerning is it, though, that when you got to the pro day, it didn't seem like he was in great shape from a motivational standpoint, to your point. And then secondly, he did miss several games due to the MCL injury. How concerning is that here moving forward? Not worry about the MCL injury. I talked to the Georgia trainers, talked to the people who took care of him. That's fine. Uh, Pro Day, again, mentally he, he believes he was above it. He doesn't need to prove anything to those guys. He just, just turn on the tape, double teams, triple teams. He just goes right through them. So he felt like he was having to go through the motions. He couldn't get excited about it. In other words, if you know you're getting the job and they want to interview a third, fourth, fifth time, you just don't go into those last interviews with the same intensity that you would the first one. So, now, hey, I'm not, I'm not trying to defend him. I'm just trying to explain, you know, talking to people inside the program, what his mindset was like when he went through that pro day. You know, it was kind of lollygagging, not exactly trying to impress anybody because he knows that the tape that he has will impress everybody. He doesn't need to show them in shorts what he can do. Yeah, look, and that's true, but I, then I wonder if NFL teams say, well, what happens when he gets his first big contract? And yeah, then, that, 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 yeah, that's definitely a question. You're, you're, you're 100% correct there. Yeah. All right. So let's. I want to stick on the defense side of the ball. Let, uh, let's go to Nolan Smith, who I love as a player. And I know a lot of people, Roddy, want to talk about his testing and all that. But I, I, before the year, I watched his 2021 tape. And, you know, in terms of explosion and running around the field, he's the guy in the Georgia defense besides Carter that, that stood out to me. But I think what people miss is that he's a really good physical run defender on the edge. Can you just talk about him as a complete player? Because I think most people just see him as this, you know, great testing athlete, but this guy's really good at playing football. Well, he's one of the smartest guys on the field. Uh, a lot of the reasons he makes those plays is, well, you saw the ridiculous times he put up in the 40 and, you know, shuttle drills and all that stuff. So you have an elite athlete just from a physical standpoint. But if you can analyze the play, if you can read and react faster than anybody else out there, and you compare, you, you know, add that to the speed of a wide receiver. I mean, he outran most of the wide receivers at the NFL That's Combine. That's crazy. And so, yeah, so, okay, if you can get a hand on him, great. He's stronger than you. He's going to get off of your offensive tackle or tight end. But he's fast. He's so fast that you can't get a hand on him. So he's incredibly disruptive. He's incredibly smart. And he's the, I don't say the exact opposite, but there are never any character questions or. Uh, desire questions on Nolan Smith. That He was the face of the program for Kirby Smart because that engaging personality, 
we'll all be voting for this guy for president in 20 years. <laughs> no. I'm just telling you, he's got the he's got that uh, that it factor, that personality. He's the head. Of, he he will be your franchise face wherever he goes, and people just love him. So that's the he's the he's the complete package. Well, the only concern, I guess, with him, as you just went over, you know, clearly he's extremely appealing from what he put up at the Combine and on film, but he did miss time the last two seasons, Roddy, due to injury, including the torn pectoral muscle in 2022. How much of a red flag do you think that is from a durability standpoint here moving forward? I covered him for many years, even in high school, going back to when he was at IMG and prior to that, and that was those are the first couple injuries he's ever had. So now... Is a guy injury prone? Maybe, you know, especially when you get that strong, you can tear other muscles because maybe yep. some of the uh, auxiliary muscles aren't as good, you know, aren't as built up. But that, those were, he was, in looking at his entire history of playing football, those injuries were most recent and he wasn't injury prone. Where other players, I could say, look, this guy's been hurt as a high school sophomore. He, had a, he missed five games as a high school senior. He missed three games as a freshman in college. His sophomore years, he missed two games. You know, those are the guys that I consider injury prone. Somebody who's had a, a situation like Nolan, uh, I don't see that. I don't. I'm not worried about it. But you know, I'm not the one spending you know, millions of no, dollars okay. on it. Changes things. All sure. right. I, yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> Roddy. Let's stick on defense. Uh, Keely Ringo. You know, he ran the great forty time, then needed his shuttle times, and those were not great. And I think we kind of. And I think it kind of plays with what we kind of saw on him from tape, right? Well, we saw some flashes, you saw some athleticism, but then, you know, sticking with wide receivers, change of direction, maybe not as good. You know, I've seen him talked about as a first rounder. I've seen him talked about as a top of the third rounder. There seems to be all sorts of varying opinions on Keely Ringo. As a guy that's followed him closely, where do you land in terms of how his skill set might impact the NFL and where you think he still needs to make those jumps to have the production match maybe those physical traits? Uh, he's played two years. So came in as a freshman, got hurt this his entire freshman season. Uh, had, you know, was playing out in uh, the West Coast, not really, not really prepped for SEC play. So it's taken him a couple years to get where he's going to be. If, it, it, where he goes in the draft depends on who needs him. Do you need a ridiculously big uh, outside cornerback who's as fast as anybody on the team. I know he didn't put up crazy numbers of the combine, but we've seen the you know where they wear those little catapult tracers yeah. and they uh, run yeah. around practice. He's constantly running 22, 23 miles an hour, putting up the fastest uh, uh, miles per hour of anybody on the team. And he's the size of an outside linebacker. This guy's you know a huge body who can run like that. Mm-hmm. But he's to me he's raw. He he is a developmental guy. You take him for his capabilities. You're not taking him for today's production. You're taking him for where he'll be year two, year three, where he could be a shutdown corner and also just devastating against the run. So uh, if you need a multi-talented guy and you don't need him to play today, you take him early, you know. But um, that's just how I see him. Because his, my point being, his best football is coming ahead of him. He's not a guy who's you know, on the downslope of his career, you know, or who's maxed out. He has so much more that he can give you from a technique standpoint. He has so much more he can give you from an identification standpoint. Uh, he made a big play in the championship game two years ago when everyone said, oh, he's going to be a shutdown guy. Like, no, he just happened to be in the right spot at the right time on an underthrown ball. <laughs> but you notice he did he did house that ball the minute he caught it, you know. And the, the number of plays he's made, past breakups, you just can't find – 
a guy with the physical skill set that he has. And everybody I talked to says he's very coachable. He's getting better and better every time he steps on the field. So that's uh, do, do you want that player? Then you take him earlier. If you're like, ah, I need somebody. Uh, this this guy's maybe a little bit smaller, maybe not quite as fast, but uh, you know he's more a polished product. Then you know, then you take him later. So that's just kind of how it comes down. Speaking of versatility, let's stay in the secondary safety. Christopher Smith, who played nickel corner at Georgia, he's got a lot of experience. I know there's some question marks though, Roddy, about his size and whether or not he's more of a corner versus a safety on the NFL level. And so, his testing, too, for that matter. Yeah, he obviously didn't impress as much as his teammates with respect to some of those skill sets. So where do you see his upside at the next level? When Chris Smith started at Georgia, he came in for Richard LeCow when LeCow got hurt. And I was like, oh, this is going to kind of set Georgia back a little bit. Well, Georgia actually got better with Chris Smith in there because uh, he was he's a fourth-year, fifth-year guy. This isn't the guy who came in, and you see all these players who are leaving in three years. He got better the more he progressed, the more he aged, the more he was able to identify defenses. He's he's always in the right spot at the right time. He is not big. Now, when I saw him at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis, I could tell he put on a little bit of muscle mass. He's kind of yoked up. He's cut. But he's just not a giant guy. He's a, he's a safety, in my opinion. I don't see him as a corner. I don't see him as a nickel. That is just a great safety because he's able to sit back there, identify where it's going. You look at the number of interceptions he had based on, you know, when they would spin the safeties, when he'd come over the top. Uh, he's great support there. He's going to be – he's not going to be the biggest safety out there, but he's going to be the one with the most technical knowledge, the one who's reading the offense. You're not going to be able to trick him. So, if you want – to me, he's the opposite of Keely Ringo. It's all experience, technique. He doesn't have Keely Ringo's size, but he has the smarts and the technique – you know, and the experience that Ringo misses. So if you need somebody for an immediate impact, you know, you take him. You take Chris Smith. All right, I'm going to jump back over to the offensive side of the ball here. Uh, Darrell Washington, he's interesting. You know, we know he can block. He's a really big guy. He dropped a lot of weight uh, to run a pretty darn good time at the Combine. I guess my question for you is how long do you think NFL teams are going to have to wait, Roddy, to have his receiving skills come along? Because I know he wasn't used that way a lot at Georgia. I know he ran a really good time, but he just doesn't look like the smoothest athlete when he's running those routes and getting those times. So your thoughts on Washington and how well he can proceed and progress as a wide receiver or as a receiver um, playing the tight end position and quickly when he does get drafted? When's the first day of practice? That's how long you have to wait. That's, uh, this guy caught 60, 70 balls in high school when he got to Georgia you got to remember, they have Brock Bowers, the yep. number one tight end, a generational tight end. I was speaking with a uh, head coach when I was in Indianapolis who's in your, uh, in your conference, and we were talking about some of these players. And the guy he was the most familiar with was Brock Bowers. He was like, yeah, I checked on him to see if he could come out this year. I'm like, no, not yet. So we talked about Darnell Washington. We talked about some of the offensive guys. But Darnell Washington is used to catching 60, 70 balls, but there's just you know, one ball to go around. And if you're going to throw, you throw to Brock Bowers. And Darnell Washington is laying people out. Uh, there's a very famous clip of him blocking three guys on one touchdown run. So he's just he's a bull in the ring, but at six foot eight, um, soft hands. You saw the one-handed catch he made in the uh, combine that went yep. viral. That guy, he's got the hands. He just didn't get the opportunity. So I have no compunctions about him as a receiver. I mean, that's a, this guy's Tony Gonzalez all over again. You know, just a, an absolute monster. Uh, you can't you can't match up with him, and if you put him out there, you're not sure if he's a, a second offensive tackle who's going to drive you into the ground, 
or if he's going out like, you know, Kelsey. It's just You just don't know what he's going to do. So if you're a defensive coordinator, when you see him on the field, especially if they're in 12 personnel, you just kind of shake your head because you don't know what to do because he, he, he can do it all. So uh, Darnell Washington, you know, people say, look, oh, he didn't catch a lot of passes. You can throw him, throw him 50 or 60 as a rookie, and he'll probably catch 50 or 60. Well, it helps when you're six seven and you tower over most guys that are going to defend you. Darnell's a big boy. Yeah, and, yes, and, and Darnell was mad. Darnell was mad that they didn't give him his extra inch for the combine. <laughs> He's like, they they mismeasured me. Yeah, well, I'm sure he'll make up for it and then some in reality once defensive backs and linebackers see him up close and personal on the NFL level. Speaking of blocking, let's stay on the offensive side of the ball. And Broderick Jones is another guy, Roddy. You look at the measurables and you say, okay, this is exactly what I want if I'm going to bring in a tackle. And I think it's also appealing. He got a little experience at right tackle to start his career. Then they moved him over to left tackle. I guess my question is, if we're really putting him under the microscope, what's the concern? If I'm an NFL team and I use a relatively high pick on him, if anything, that comes to mind. Run blocking. That's a concern. And it's not a big concern. If you're looking for a concern, that would be the one. He's a better pass blocker than he is a run blocker. It's, um, that's the only detriment I can tell you. When I saw this kid in 10th grade, I, I tweeted out, I just met a five-star first-round draft pick by the name of Broderick, <laughs> Broderick Jones. Uh, and again, sophomore in high school. He, he had the look already. Uh, he's got the moves. He's so light on his feet. That's why he's so great in pass protection. You just can't get around him. I don't think he's given up a sack in a couple of years. Uh, he's just uh, hes exactly what you need if you're a pass-heavy offense. Now, when he run blocks, he's going to move some people. But when you're going up against NFL-quality defensive ends and outside linebackers, twists and stunts, that's where, you know, maybe he just doesn't have the mass to move some of these guys. But, uh, yeah, he's – He's not quite Andrew Thomas, but he's pretty close. They, they look they look very similar on the hoof. All right, let's stick on the offensive side of the ball here. And, you know, Kenny McIntosh is someone watching his tape getting ready for the senior bowl. We go down to Mobile every year. Roddy, I was really impressed. And, you know, watching him in games this year, good runner, can do a little bit of everything, really good receiver out of the backfield. And I was shocked, quite frankly, when he tested as poorly as he did at the Combine is this just a guy whose play speed is better than his testing speed? Because to me, he has it in him with his size and his receiving skills to be a three-down back. Yeah, if, if they'd run somebody behind him, you know, someone trying to play tag with him, <laughs> you know, somebody faster, he'd have put down, you know, a four, 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 five. You know, he'd have been a much faster. It, it is football speed. I don't think he got a good step, you know, combined. But I think you nailed it when you talked about him being a receiver. This guy has the best hands. He was, uh, I think, two years ago, he was Georgia's leading receiver. So this guy caught more passes than any of the wide receivers or any tight ends. Uh, he's just lights out of the backfield. And so you're right. Uh, he's great in pass pro. So, you know, he's sitting there beside your quarterback, and, you know, somebody comes through in a blitz, he'll pick up that blitzing linebacker. He'll, he'll lay him out. He'll, he's not scared to throw his body in front of people. Uh, there's some great clips of him diving to keep Stetson Bennett upright to complete a pass. He's just laying his body out there. And then there's other times where he's on a wheel route or he's on a, you know, they're hitting him in the flat and he takes off like a rocket once he gets the ball. So he's the complete package. I don't know that he has that home run speed, but there's so many things you can do with him. You know, uh, take him out there. George did this a lot. They line him up as a running back and right before the ball snaps, all of a sudden he's a slot receiver. He's a you know, fourth receiver on the field. And now all of a sudden the defense is scrambling. And of course, that would, if the ball didn't go to him, 
it free up somebody else as the safety or cornerback or the nickel guy was trying to make an adjustment or an inside linebacker or outside linebacker trying to deal with him. So he just gives you so many options as a uh, uh, multi-talented back. I think that his hands are what's going to get him drafted. Not so much his legs. I mean, he can run it. But when you look at what you can do as an offensive coordinator, you just have to drool a little bit because he can do it all. Sure. Well, 43 receptions definitely jumps off the page. Not to say that that number is humongous, but compared to college running backs, Roddy, I mean, that's a pretty high volume. So I'm with you there. Speaking of appeal, I want to go back to the defensive side of the ball because when you look at linebacker Robert Beal Jr., he's got that length. And he had seven sacks in 2021. I know his production, Roddy, wasn't as impressive this past year. How appealing, though, is the rawness there that you could maybe tap more into that on the NFL level? Or do you think he pretty much has reached his ceiling at this point? I think what you get, what you see in Robert Beal is what you're going to get. That's uh, kind of where, he, where he's at right now. Uh, I, I like Robert Beal a lot. I see him as definitely being, you know, a later round pick. He's he, Definitely make a 53-man roster. I just don't see him being a star, you know, a, a, a pro bowler type guy. Uh, he's made a lot of sacks, but some of those were when he came in to relieve other guys. You know, he would come in, you know, you, uh, for uh, after towards the end of another game when you're facing a tired offensive line and he sure. through. And there were times that, you know, they, they made an isolation and said, look, your job is to come in on third down and get to the quarterback. And he would. This was a very highly rated kid coming out of high school. It's just, you know, when you look over his entire career, there's not a lot of wow plays. There's some very good plays, but it's not like when we were covering Aziz Ojolari and you're like, when Aziz is on the field, somebody's going to die. You know, he's going to kill somebody. (laughs) There's just a difference there. He's not Aziz, but he is definitely an NFL caliber player. Two offensive linemen you have coming out that will probably be day three picks or maybe priority free agents, Warren McClendon and Warren Erickson. Tell me about those two guys. I can see Warren McClendon being a pick. I, I'm just—I don't see it for Warren Erickson. Um, I can see an undrafted free agent status for him, a yep. chance to make a team. Uh, McClendon was a guy that every time Georgia signed a five-star, uh, and Broderick Jones being one of the guys, uh, you know, Amarius Mims, who will be a first-round draft pick next year, uh, Tate Radledge, who's Georgia's starting right guard. Every time they signed one, we're like, oh well, that guy will come in and take Warren McClendon's spot, just like Saul McKinley. Every year, I was predicting who was going to take Saul McKinley's spot. And every year he fought and fought off, you know, these other NFL guys and just uh, kept his position. So Warren McClendon has played so many snaps for the University of Georgia against the best defensive ends in the nation. He's gone up against the best that Alabama had, that Ohio State had, that Clemson had. You name him, he's faced them and he's beaten them. So Warren McClendon, he's not flashy. He doesn't have the tangibles. When you look at Broderick Jones, you know, who just looks like he was built in a lab. But Warren McClendon makes the squads, and he's probably a 10-, 12-year player. Roddy, my last question is, is there anybody else that we have not brought up? I mean, clearly there's miles and miles of prospects that you think maybe is a bit under the radar that could either be drafted or catch on with a team, similar to Solomon, who obviously, through hard work, was able to at least carve out a role with the New York Giants. Yeah, I'm going to think of uh, probably Stetson Bennett. You know, the quarterback there, he's not a giant, but he's got huge hands. He, he makes throws. Uh, again, going back to the head coach I was speaking to uh, in your division, he's asking me about him. He said, that kid is just a winner. What's his story? Because he just doesn't have the uh, uh, he doesn't have the hullabaloo that Anthony Richardson, you know, or Hendon Hooker has, guys like that. But he's, he, he, what did that coach call him? He said, he's just a winner. And I think that there will be a team that probably falls in love with that guy, you know, says, let's see what you can do and give, give them a shot. So, 
uh, I get Seth Ben is maybe on my list of possibilities. Yeah, and look, and I think he's a better athlete than people think, and I think he's a better arm than people think too. To be totally honest with you, I don't, I don't know about all that off the field stuff, Roddy. I don't know if you do, and you know, there's all sorts of stuff out there. But I, I think he's actually probably a little bit more talented than people give him credit for as well. To be, to be totally honest. Oh, he's, he's absolutely very talented. Uh, I, I, I'm going to reveal my biases here <laughs> because I was one of the first people people to ever write about him. Okay, and then when he left Georgia to go to Jones College, when he came back, I broke the news he's coming back. Then when everyone, uh, when JT Daniels got hurt and they were looking, you know, they went to Carson Beck as a backup, I was on the broke news that he was going to start. And everyone, I was pillorying for this. You know, like, no way, that guy's a third string. And prior to that year, he had been told by the Georgia coach themselves, we don't see any playing time here for you, son. But he stuck around, and then uh, JT Daniels got hurt. Carson Beck did not fare well in practice. And a ice-cold Stetson Bennett came in and took over and, you know, played two years, won two titles for Georgia, who hadn't won a title in 41 years. He won two of them back-to-back. There's, he, it's not bad. All you, need, all you need to do is tell Stetson Bennett he, you can't do it. We don't have any faith in you. You're not going to win. You can't play here. And if you tell him that, back up. because He's going to make you look like an idiot. Likes to quiet the skeptics, apparently. But, yeah, but, yeah, that, yeah. So that, that's the uh, off-the-field stuff. It's that chip on his shoulder. That uh, I, I'm only going to listen to me because everybody, family, friends, coaches have told me I can't do it, and I've proven all of them wrong. So he only keeps his own counsel. I feel like he's a little Baker in him, to be honest with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and again, and the skill set. You know, you look at people, oh, he doesn't have a big arm. Bull. I've seen him make throws, uh, NFL throws. I've seen him uh, zip the ball in there. He's got great touch. And he's probably, and I talked to a lot of uh, coaches around the country, they say he's one of the smartest quarterbacks you'll ever meet. So. Roddy, by the way, on an, on an unrelated note, on your Twitter handle, is that Abdullah the Butcher, the former wrestler that you have? <laughs> that is absolutely Abdullah okay. the Butcher, Habibi. Yes, sir. I had to confirm that. As somebody who grew up as a wrestling fan, I have not followed it in forever. That image looked familiar, so I needed to confirm it. I'm glad that you solidified that. That is a heck of a photo to have. As your Twitter image, by the I way. I think so we should get you to, to change yours to that, Lance. I think well, that'd be great. I mean, I can't say Abdullah the Butcher was my favorite, but uh-huh. he certainly left an impression in the ring. I will tell you that. And I'm sure Roddy can give you some more stories on that front as well. Roddy, good stuff, my friend. <laughs> He's the publisher of UGASports.com. Has covered the Bulldogs for a long time. And Roddy, when we get to this time next year and another dozen Georgia Bulldogs are going to get drafted, we'll be on the phone with you again. All right, pal? Call me up. We'll talk Brock Powers. You'll really enjoy it. Absolutely. Good stuff, Roddy. Appreciate the time. Roddy Nabolsi does a great job. UJSports.com. Make sure you go check that out. All right, we're over. I had something else I wanted to talk to you about and tease you about, but I don't think I'm going to have time. Well, throw it in here. It's I mean, too what's late. The, I want to go extra eat. minute or two. Chicken parm, it tastes so So you're going to tell me you can't wait. You've waited about six or seven additional minutes. So what? what is this? That All right, you want it? Here it comes. Well, yeah, I mean, right. clearly. Here we go. What are we? I heard you got a very disappointing email. A day or two ago, day or about two ago. something that's part of your routine and something oh. you enjoy to oh, do. Oh, I know that, what you're talking about. That yeah. is no longer in the yeah. mix for you. Well, we're working on strategy now. I mean, we got to adapt. Now, for so. people that don't understand, Lance, <laughs> this Lance is what you were. Lance, hundred percent. That's fine. I'll gladly, <laughs> I will gladly defend myself. No, so I'm, not, I'm, no, I'm totally fine. I, with I'm, this. I'm, I'm, yes, I'm here to help you. Oh, help me. Well, what are you going to do? Now, are you going to provide your own service? No, is that what you're going to do? I have some ideas. <laughs> okay. Let's well, first of all, let, let's, l- l- let's specify yeah. what we're talking about for you before okay. we start talking about providing services. Yes. Okay. So yeah. Lance, as you, people who follow him on Twitter, loves his movies. Lance likes to, to do his little reviews. He likes to yeah. watch a lot of movies. So, But what you might not know about Lance 
is how he acquires all these movies well, to view. Yeah. So there's a streaming company. Well, most people think it's a streaming well, I, company. I think most people know this company. Now, so. it will be a streaming company only from now on. Yeah. But Lance knew it as a DVD <laughs> delivery company, which we all did 15 years ago. But well, Lance sure. has not moved past late 90s technology. So via Netflix, Lance well, was I'm surprised still... you mentioned the company. Okay. I wasn't right. going to, but uh, whatever. You, you were trying to spin around. I did, and then I messed it up. So we're yeah. there now. Um, <laughs> well, it's good. I'm glad so you're getting yourself. Lance was still receiving DVDs by no, mail. Not was is is, is yes, receiving. Come on. I mean, let's and pump it up. Keep in mind, not Blu-rays. Yes, regular DVDs. Yes, regular DVDs. by mail. Sure, absolutely. And, and how do you ashamed. watch these DVDs when you get them? By the I'm, way, no, I watch them on my TV. Oh, so, yeah. oh, so you've graduated from the laptop to the yeah. television. Well, I was only watching on my laptop when I was traveling. Oh, okay, That's good. where I well, watched I remember, on my laptop. No, you're no. still just watching your laptop. No, and I, said, it, why, it was and mainly... I used to say, why didn't you watch on your TV? You're no, like, no. I like watching on my no, laptop. No, but it, it was mainly because I have a portable player that's hooked got up it. to my laptop. So when I travel, oh, you can okay. still watch it. Okay. That was the main point. Got no, it. when I'm home, I watch it on my normal All right. television. Yeah. That, may, that makes me feel a little bit better. Sure, better. absolutely. So I'm now we can allay your fears. This company made their announcement over the weekend that they're no Not longer. Not over the weekend, yesterday I found that. That they are no yeah. longer going to be delivering I know. hard DVDs. Yeah. So have you considered what your backup plan is now going to be. Well, see, maybe you could provide some insight here. And let me defend myself because if a lot of people, and, and you guys just love to give me crap on this, but I'm yeah, going to defend myself. Too, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> There's a reason why I still subscribe to the old, old school. You do not have access through the streaming service of the most recent films. No, you, okay? have, you have to wait for them. So I, I don't like to wait for them. I like instantaneous gratification. What Do you think I want to wait till 2025 to watch the Academy Award nominated films or wait for another prominent TV station is to get them? Is there still that big of a delay now on the streaming? There, well, you could tell me. I don't know. Do you have the? You, I'm assuming you have the streaming access. Well, yeah. I mean, I just watch it on on my TV. I don't like you know. No, no, but, yeah. well, but you still have, you you yes, subscribe it, 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 to the service to then get the catalog yes. of movies. Correct. Correct. Okay. So if you wanted to watch any of the Oscar nominated films from this current year, I I honestly would not be able to tell you how long it takes. I don't know. Okay. To to that. See, if somebody could give me a definitive answer and maybe well, some you of our... should know if you've been choosing no, no. to do the DVDs rather than the streaming. Well, I, I mean, I have a good idea from talking to people because yes. I asked them like, these are the last five films I've watched. Can you tell me whether or not you could go online and watch them right now? And more often than not, the answer is no. Well, I think you need to research that. Now. Well, I, I'm so, going to do a anyway, little bit more digging. Here was my yeah. idea. Yes, have you ever... let's hear this. I know you're not a huge Seinfeld guy, but I know you've watched it. You've watched sure. Seinfeld, obviously, Pearson. Remember the episode where Lippman, former head of Pendant Publishing, before a unfortunate incident, which Tay would have been, you know, had issues with, you know, with an investor, and that now he had to, he ended up opening his own private business, <laughs> oh. Top of the Muffin to you, and they would just sell the Top of the Muffins. The problem is that they didn't know what to do with the stumps, so they had to call on a cleaner, and Newman came in to eat the stumps because the dumps wouldn't take them. So I imagine right now, Netflix has an issue. They have a warehouse somewhere full of DVDs. Oh, sure. And yeah. they don't know what to do with them. Yeah, but see... I think you need to find somebody <laughs> at Netflix that is in charge no, of you're... disposing of these DVDs and mayhaps you might be the receptacle of all well, these DVDs that they have that they have no use for. Maybe... Lance Meadow can somehow put together one of the world's largest personal, not Blu-ray DVDs, just yes. regular DVD collections, and you can rent that a whole other room, <laughs> well, apartment but, on your floor in your building. You could have a whole library. 
This was my idea for you. So Netflix, I'm supposed to provide the service to they, America is what you're saying. No, you no, they're no, all but, yours. Yeah, you don't but need I to rent them out no, to anybody. But, see, you have you, to, but you can get all of the hard DVDs that I, you've been renting and they can be yours because Netflix has nothing to do with them. Yeah, but you have to understand, I'm the person that watches them once and then I have no use for them after that. Oh. See, I'm not... You don't like to watch movies more than once? No. Mm, I mean, I may catch it. it on, once again, a premium channel after okay. I watched it, but we're Got talking it. about... Okay. You know, years or months mm, after. But once I watch it, that's the appeal. See, I was trying to help you. I was, well, I was trying no, to get you a big The only collection. way you're going to help me is if you find another <laughs> No, I can't do that. Okay. That's can how I, you help me. Can I suggest Blockbuster Video? <laughs> well, they're out of business, unfortunately. <laughs> they used to have another service, but Netflix kicked them out of business. So, yeah, it's going to be tough. They better get their act together streaming-wise. Because, listen, I'm a big supporter of this company that you mentioned. See, I'm not going to get into trouble. But... Do you I'm have only, a streaming account with them? No, but I, I have more than I'm more than happy in taking on the streaming account. I'll switch over, but they have to show a commitment to get <laughs> the newest product. Well, I mean, listen, I, I want bang for the buck, okay? I know you do. So get their act together <laughs> and so make sure <laughs> that they get the newest films up streaming. And I'm totally fine. I am not going to. I right now I, September is when the subscription goes goodbye so i still have a okay, few yeah, months so, hey, sometimes so they have out. to prove to me have okay you... over the next few mm -hmm. months that they can get the newest possible films up and running i i got one for you yeah. now movie theaters have developed these <laughs> exclusive programs where you pay in on a monthly basis it's like a you know depending on it's different names for different companies amc is the major one right and you can see an unlimited number of movies in the theaters so maybe Instead of okay, paying I, for the DVD rental service, which is still a delay, you can see the movies even quicker by going to the theaters. And you're in Manhattan. There are movie theaters all around you. Sure. There's many to choose from. Yeah. That involves leaving the house. <laughs> well, that's true. Lance is no. not like leaving the house. No. You're right well, about that. Well, that's extreme. I was going to say, you should know me better. I'm not a huge theater person. In yes, general, because, uh, to Pearson's no, 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 point, no. I don't like I'm just house. not a theater person. No, well, I you like, are going to have no, to change I your like behavior. Experiencing the film in my own palace, okay? That's how. That's how. Number one, number two, Ivory Tower, not palace. By no, the way, well, okay. however you want to call mm -hmm. it. But number two, <laughs> uh, well, I didn't know about this whole theater experience where you there's a subscription. Mm -hmm. I, I'll admit, I'll look into it. But is and it now they limited? Also... Is it limited, or, or you're talking about you can watch whatever movie you want? I'm pretty sure it's whatever movie you want. Okay, because it sometimes sounds too good to be. And now true. they have these fancy theaters. Now I'm not sure if they're included in the unlimited movies per week deal, but they have like bring food to your seat, real well, food. I don't need you know, that big well, red you, carpet well, treatment. Well, apparently not... you do because no, you no, 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 watch movies not... in your ivory. No, tower. I just I like the experience of being. Sometimes the in Oscar movies are only at certain theaters. Though. Well, see, that's my point. That's also that, true. And Pearson that's brings up a very true. good point. So you're selling me something that still may have some big-time limitations on it. Well, that's I think whatever whatever you land on here, there are going to be limitations. Yeah. It's just a matter well, of you finding the one that, that, that best suits your needs. Yeah, and, and that's why this is a big I problem. I think it's just get a streaming service. No, I, I have no problem. Yeah, but that, no, that's but not going to solve his problem that's, of getting see, that's to the, the movies as quickly I, as possible. But see, People Pierce, rely on his – his eight followers rely on his <laughs> online yeah, movie followers. reviews. Yeah, sure. they, so they get their reviews on surprised. a timely I basis. I get pretty good feedback and, and recommendations that continue actually more volume-wise, put them out more often. But I wait till I watch about seven or eight and then I put it out. So, you know, you're so not your dad and mom it. love your Twitter feed? Yeah, well, that, well no, no, no. So there's your six. Sister? There's six people. Okay. Six. Okay, let's do the math correctly. So there's five <laughs> or six individuals now. Half of which are family members? To, yes, half of which are family members. <laughs> Correct. Now we get to the bottom of it. But 
the streaming, I could have had the streaming service forever. So no, that, that's not the simple it. solution here. You've got to get the product, okay? The product has to be instantaneous. When they up their ante a little bit, you know, then we could talk. But you can make fun of me all you want about DVDs. What, no, I, no. I, I have not made no, no. fun of you once during well, this whole conversation. No, yeah, I'm sure. I, you, know, you brought it up out of the goodness of your heart because you were really looking I out have, for my I well-being. I have not said sure. one derogatory thing no. this whole well, You don't have to minutes. say anything derogatory, trust so me. It's funny when I saw that I instantly thought of Lance. Yeah, of course, That's we all fine. did. What are, you, are you kidding me? Do you want me to all show you? I have overwhelming text messages Do from you? other colleagues. <laughs> like people like, oh, did you see the news? This is detrimental. I'm like, yes. I, I saw it 24 hours ago when it came to my email inbox. I was the first one to know about it. It. You, you found know, you out about it on social is, media. Do you know how many people they Netflix had to send that email to? One. One person. <laughs> this guy right yes, here. Yes, correct. That's I know. It. Yes, I'm the only individual. <laughs> I am the last surviving human being on this earth that watches You were keeping DVDs. them afloat. I was 100%. But you would think that my... Well, you could barely find DVD players now. They're hard to find. Well, if you take good care of some of your original ones, then you won't have that issue. So, you see, that's the problem. Maybe you, know, maybe you can find a Laserdisc streaming service where you, you can buy the Laserdisc and have them sent to you no, directly. I, listen, I am totally... Most of our young fans probably know what Laserdiscs are, no, by I, the way. I, I would say I don't think they understand. <laughs> I mean, next you're going to tell me VHS to have uh, the VCRs back up and running. But all I'm saying is I'm not anti-streaming. I'm totally fine. They just, you know, once again, you need to make sure you update the catalog. And that's a big problem. And I'm sure anybody that has a subscription right now would back me up. Well, maybe, 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 maybe this is a build your own business situation for you. Maybe you should open up like a video rental store in Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, well, unfortunately, I don't Ivory think... Tower Video. Ivory Tower Video. Great. There you go. Yeah, we could start the marketing. One, two, three. I'll be probably the only uh, Me individual. Meadow Movie Rentals. Oh, so now alliteration is what you're saying. Yes. But you have to understand. See, I'm not, I don't care about providing the service. I'm just looking out for myself. You're trying to sell me on opening up a business for others. Lance, I'm not worried about others. I'm worried about myself. Lancelot's Movie Castle. Listen, you could give me every name in the book. You would be possible. <laughs> I, I have no interest in starting a business. I'm looking for being a subscriber to a service. That's it. Well, I'm trying. I'm, well, I'm trying to get you your DVDs, but at the same time, make some money off of it. Well, I'm, I'm listen, giving you both. Yeah. Well, you're looking for the best of both worlds. Yeah, that, that's fine. But you. I'm not. I'm not looking to jump that type of amount in here. I'm simply looking to continue the smooth sailing, which worked well, like wonders. I hate to tell you, I think the smooth sailing's over. Oh, the smooth sailing's definitely over. Let's the storm's coming in. Yeah, well. You're like George Clooney on the boat with the uh, <laughs> with the other guy, and you, and, and you see the storm coming, yeah. and it's gonna hit you. So it's, it's just it, a matter of how you get out the other side. It's the perfect storm, essentially, is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. All right. A well, movie which he did acquire at some point yes, via DVD uh, from yes, Netflix. Exactly. <laughs> at one point, yes. You'd have to go way back into my queue to find when and where I saw it. But I promise you, yes. It was consumed from that standpoint. All right, tomorrow it's uh, Detino and Casillas. I know he is South Carolina. Who the hell is Yeah, he South Carolina is. South Carolina and uh, TCU. Menu. So that's uh, coming up tomorrow uh, for Casillas and uh, the other people that are on that show. All right, so let's go check it out. And thank you for listening to Big Blue Kickoff Live, boy. I didn't want to go an extra 12 minutes. Uh, Pierce, you I got to be honest Pandora's with you. Box. That was totally so, worth, worth it. it worth I have zero, zero regrets. I'm glad that I was able to fulfill your desires. That's what I'm here for. We'll, we'll see you tomorrow on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Chicken Parm time. We'll see you then. <laughs> Sounds good. Sick of being upsold at gyms? 
my guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.